I'm gonna, oh man, let's, let's get into this thing. There's a few things I wanna share, uh, but I, I wanna share one thing first. And I was gonna speak out of Malachi. When was the last time you heard somebody preach out of Malachi? Right? Like, or, you know, the Italian prophet? Malachi? Uh, but I want to. But before I speak out of there, I want to speak out of Luke. Okay. So, so there's a lot of people that take notes and then they never look at them again. I kind of think that you're just, ignor- you know, it's like, oh, I'll just get through this half hour. If you could, if you, if you're, if you're gonna take notes and never look at them again, don't. Just, just, just look at me. Okay. Here we go. I want to read out of Luke chapter eight, and there's a story in here, and I'm sure that you're familiar with it. And because of time, I'm gonna tell you what to read. Just read Luke chapter eight, basically 26 through 38, uh, and you know the story, it's the demonized man, right? It's Jesus runs on shore and meets the demonized man. Do you, you guys know the story? And he casts demons out and they go into pigs, right? Hello? Okay, uh, maybe you didn't hear the first five minutes of what I was saying, like just a little bit of yes. So Jesus lands on shore, right? He's met by a demon-possessed man, and, and the crazy, I love these extreme stories in the Bible because it shows us um, the, the length, it shows us what's available to us, uh, even though we don't create all of our theology around the extreme encounters in the Bible. However, it is in here, and Jesus said, you should do everything that I did, and greater, greater things than these you do, because I'm not staying here, I'm returning to the Father, right? So, so it, it's, it's these times where Jesus goes, hey, this is an option, and this is available. And, and he lands on shore and is met by a crazy, naked, demonized man. I love this. How many of you guys have had those experiences? In, do you want to know, you, like, honestly, can I just say, side note, I saw one of the most, and I've traveled the world 18 years, uh, lived, lived all over the world, the, one of the worst top demonic possessions I've ever seen, and I would use that term very, very sparsely, okay, was just two weeks ago in California at a meeting. Legitimately, I have watched some of the craziest things, and I saw one of the worst just right down the road here about three weeks ago. And so, so sometimes when we talk about this stuff, you're like, oh, well, that's for back then. And it's never, no, 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 not at all. Uh, there, is a, there is a need, and, a, and there's a need in the world for people that carry great freedom yes. and, and carry great power. And, and in the story, you see Jesus met, confronted by a crazy, naked, demonized man running around the town, tormenting a town. And, and I need to move on because I, I have a word, but I want to I lay a foundation of Jesus is met by this demonized man, and long story short, uh, he starts screaming at him, what do you want to do with me? And Jesus casts the demons out, sends them into pigs, which I fully don't understand. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, because like, honestly, if you want to think about it, oh, I need more time to preach. Okay, if you think about it, Jesus takes a farmer's crop and just destroys it. And you don't see any other precedent in the Bible for it. So Jesus is entering into a town to minister to the town, right? Right? He's there to be Jesus, right? So like, boom, I'm in a town, and his goal is to bring love and peace and joy and the gospel and freedom. He's met by a crazy, naked, demonized man who torments the town. Literally, the man torments the town. He's an issue. (laughs) Right? And Jesus releases freedom over the town in a realm of deliverance with a power encounter and takes a farmer's livelihood and kills them. (laughs) 
I'm, I don't know if I'm able to get past this first point. He, and, and as you study, as you study, you know, demonology in the Bible, which I don't spend too much time on because I feel like a lot of people like to dwell on that stuff. I don't. I like to dwell on freedom. But you never see that press. You never see Jesus taking demons and putting them in other creatures. It's the only time you see that. And so Jesus is going into a town to influence a town, to release the kingdom, to bring, to bring the kingdom to a town. And he, and he starts by angering a farmer and a whole town. And you don't see any other precedent for it in the scripture. Why? Everybody dwells on the freedom thing. But he, he genuinely... He genuinely makes the whole scenario awkward. It's scary when we get it figured out on how Jesus should move and what it should look like. I'm more scared of that than offending people. And I think Jesus was more focused on freedom and his, his goal and dream for a town or a city more than he was offending people. I'm, I'm torn, I'm missing a piece of my Bible here. So, and it has some of that story because I, I, I just read this part a lot. But um, the man from the demons had gone out was sitting at Jesus' feet and dressed and in his right mind Check this out. And the Bible says, and they were afraid. Who's they? The townsfolk. Right? So, so Jesus releases a massive miracle, and fear hits a town. And what does the town do? They go, go. Leave. Leave. And, and, and you see Jesus obedient to a town's fear. You see him obey a town in fear. Is this okay? Are you guys okay? Okay. So you see Jesus obey fear. Not that he's, not that he's fully obedient to it. Like, not that he assumes their fear and leaves because of that. No, no. He, he listens to a town that goes, we don't like this. We don't want this. Get out of here. And he actually obeys what they say. He, he takes their suggestion and leaves the town. And then watch this. Watch, watch what happens. Come on. I was only supposed to spend a couple minutes on this, but I, I think I need to go a little bit deeper. The, the, the crazy, naked, demonized man who was the worst in the town, who the town needed, needed to see freedom, right? They needed that man to get set free. He is now clothed. The Bible says he's clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid, comes running after Jesus. So he takes off full sprint following Jesus. Why? 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 Because all he wants is Jesus, right? All he wants is to be with him. All he wants is to spend time with him. Anybody that knows Jesus gets that. Anybody that's actually had an encounter with Jesus knows that that's all you want. Like for me, I was a goth kid, black hair, black nails, black spikes. I was suicidal. I was a cutter. And when, and when, when Jesus came and fell on me, like I, I, all I wanted to do was be with him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or do, you know, do you know Jesus? 
All I wanted to do was be with him. And you have this beautiful image. And I feel like this is who Jesus is. He takes the worst, literally in the Bible, as the worst, the most demonized in a moment, sets him free. And this guy's like, I just want to be with you, Jesus. Which is an automatic response to radical freedom. Have you been set free? If you, if you haven't, you, you, you may or may not want to spend time with Jesus. But all he wants is to be with Jesus. So he takes off running. Jesus is exiting the town with his disciples in obedience to the town who Jesus kills the farmer's crops <laughs> without any other biblical precedent for it. And the, and the demonized man goes, I, I want to come with you, Jesus. You can read it. And Jesus turns to him and goes, thank you, brother. It is time for you to be discipled. Come and follow me and join my team. No, he doesn't, he doesn't do any of that, which is what we all want him to do. Okay, let's play a scenario. You guys still okay? You with me? You guys are looking at me weird. You're like, he shouldn't have said he was from Massachusetts. You know, like, are you guys with me? Is this okay? No? Okay. So, so if it, let's say somebody walked into this church today, right, got radically saved, and I, and I came in here. As he's, as he's weeping or set free, radical transformation, gives his life to Jesus. And he goes, can I attend this church? And I go, get the heck out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. Like, no. You all would pick up your chairs and attack me. Like, you would go, that man does not represent Christ. He is not walking in love. He does not carry the kingdom. We do not want him here, right? I can make that general assumption. No? Maybe? Yes? Okay. But Jesus does that. The man comes following him. He says, I want to come with you. Jesus says, you are not allowed to come with me. The man's maybe saved an hour. We actually don't know. Let's say two hours, just to be generous. I actually think this happened rather quickly. But let's just say two hours. The man is saved two hours. All he wants to do is be with Jesus. All he wants to do is spend time with Jesus. All he wants to do is just be around the one that set him free. Right? And Jesus goes, no, you are not allowed to come with me. Go back to the town that you came from and tell them everything I've done for you. And he takes the crazy naked demonized man and he releases him into full-time ministry. Bang, like that. Like, just like that. In a moment, he takes the crazy, demonized, the, the blah, 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 you know, where's Fluffy? You know, like, oh, we let him out and demonized guy got her. Like, that's the guy that was in the town, right? Like, that's, that's this guy, right? Like, do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, so many times we can read these stories, we can, we can read this stuff, and we separate ourselves so far from it. But the reality is, this is everywhere. This is everywhere. Yeah. And Jesus sets him free and then goes, you're not allowed to be with me anymore. And I'm not making plans on coming back here anytime soon. See ya. Come on, boys. Like, it is the opposite of what any of you guys would expect Jesus to do. But Jesus does this. And I don't want to make this a principle. But I do want to say he is not always in the business of making you comfortable. In fact, he, he is rarely in the business of putting you in a place where you like everything that's going on. And he, he, that's not our God. It's not. 
Why? Because he's God, we're not. He knows what's happening. He knows that that man receives something so powerful in a moment that he's carrying something to go and set a whole town free. He knows that just that one encounter, just that one encounter is enough to watch transformation take place in a city. And if Jesus can do it with a hairy, naked, demonized man, what's your excuse? Like, honestly, honestly, what, what this does is it removes the ability for all of us that sit here in pews and chairs and come to a service and go and get comfortable. It removes the ability for us to go, I can't do it. I'm not called. I'm not set apart. I'm not, I'm not there. No, Jesus takes the extreme and shows how we can release somebody in a moment. So you don't have an excuse. I'm going to preach another message because I don't have time to preach the other one. If you want to hear it, come to the next service. Jesus' goal in our lives is not for us to be comfortable. He, he owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. We owe him everything. He owes us nothing. We owe him everything. He owes us nothing. We owe him everything. He doesn't. We get to run with him, but he owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. We owe him everything. Will you give yourself to him? That's what the Bible, it's so clear. It says we have to die. We have to die. We have to set aside our desires and give them up to him. And say, Lord, here is a life. Take it, choose it, use it any way that you see fit. And Jesus, he, his desire, his desire well, Will, what about he puts us on our knee and sings us lullabies and says, bring the children to me. And I'm a child that just wants to sit in your lap, Jesus. Yes, that is a part of Jesus. Yes, I, I'm not going to deny that. Yes, there are times when he likes to make you feel comfortable. But the Bible is full of God going, I'm going to put you in the worst spot to see what's inside of you. I'm going to, I love, I love, this wasn't prepared. I'm just going to share from my heart for the next 10 minutes. And then I'm done. But, but the Bible is full of God talking to us in ways that we don't like, that, 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 that challenge our comfort zones. Look at, look at Job. Brace yourself like a man. God says that to Job because God knows that Job has something that he needs to accomplish. He goes, gird up your loins. <laughs> you know, God talks about loins. I love it. And he tells us to gird them. When was the last time you did a good loin girding? It's California. I can preach like this. Okay, right? Are you guys okay? You guys are looking at me super weird. And I, and I, and I just want to warn you, like I told you ahead of time it was going to get a little weird. Right? He goes, gird up your loins. And we're all like, yay, what the heck does that mean? We're like, we should do that. Yeah. And then you hear someone in an intercession team be like, Lord, gird us, gird us, gird us big, like whatever it means. You know, the, the, the process of girding up your loins, like, can we, is it okay if I talk about this just for a minute on a Sunday morning? The process of girding up your loins was taking your tunic that was long, that went down to the ground, hoisting it up over your knees, tying it into like a big man diaper, right? That took you from a position of relaxation into battle where you can move freely and maybe your, maybe your kibbles and bits wouldn't spill out in front of everybody. Like, like that's actually what it is. It was a process 
of somebody moving from a place of relaxation where it all made sense, and Lord, I just want to soak, and I just want to receive, and I just want to sit on your lap, Jesus, and I just want you to whisper nice things to me, Jesus, and I just want it to all make sense, and oh, I'm the apple of your eye, and let's, you know, walk like lambs in riversides, or whatever the Psalms say, and it, <laughs> it'll be okay. And it moves us into a time of, I have a job, I was put here for something. And it's time that we go and do it. And what I love about Jesus talking uh, to the demonized man, the demoniac, is he goes, y'all aren't going to like this. But it's me. This might make you feel uncomfortable, but it's me. This might, this might offend you, but it's me. This might go against the, the plan and the strategy that you have laid out in how you think I should move, but it's me. And I, I, I have another word, but ooh, I just feel it in the spirit over this place. The God, God wants in the most beautiful way, not in a forceful way, not in a way where, 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 where like the Looney Tunes come out. And they're like, oh, it's time to get offensive and blah. No, that's not what I'm saying. This is, this is an intimacy. This, this sort of moving with him only comes through intimacy. It only comes through knowing his heart. It only comes through like Acts where he said, go to the world. And as they're going towards Asia, he goes, don't go to, towards Asia. In the book of Acts, Jesus releases the disciples and says, go, go to the whole world. You know, you know this. I'm just speaking very basically. And as they're going past Asia... As they're heading, as they're heading towards there, the Bible says the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, do not go there. Does it make him a liar? He said, go to all the world. <laughs> no, it means that we get to enter into a journey with him where, where maybe the revelation that we started with is not all that we need. We need that intimacy. We need him to lead us along the way. We need to walk into a situation that we don't know and go, I don't know what's happening. Demons are going into pigs. Boom, that's it. Oh, the town doesn't want us here. Awesome. Okay, that's it. Oh, the guy that got set free. Yeah, yeah. You, in fact, you're called to see a whole town set free. No longer stay with me. What you have is enough. Go. And, and that, that offends us because we like strategy. But Jesus... Even though he uses strategy, his strategy is obedience. And sometimes obedience is messy. And sometimes obedience makes you get uncomfortable. In fact, in fact, I, 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 I just lied to you. Every time obedience makes you uncomfortable. It's not sometimes. And Jesus is always looking for obedience. Will you go here? Will you do this? And when we get into systems and rhythms where we have him figured out, can't wait for the next book to come out. I'll read it. Do what it says. Can't wait for the next, you know, hit preacher to come on, you know, tw my Twitter feed so I can just follow him and start quoting him, living my life vicariously through the ministers that are around me. Instead of hearing you for myself. Jesus is in the business of making you uncomfortable. He always has been. You think that demonized guy didn't feel uncomfortable? 
right? You're sending me back to the town that I tormented. And you're releasing me into full-time ministry. Let's go for it. Like, you want to talk about a prophet is not honoring his hometown. Like, if I hear another Christian say that, oh, but I'm a, this is my hometown, and so I'm not honored here, so woe is me. You know? Justifying your fear. Justifying your unbelief. I love my hometown. In fact, I've seen radical salvations in my own hometown. Not only that, my own family. Jesus takes his 12 best men. You guys all okay? Are we still together on this? Jesus takes 12 of his best believers. And he says this to them. Ah, you have to forgive me. I didn't prepare this ahead of time. I'm just sharing from my heart, okay? Yeah. I, I have scriptures prepared for the next one. But I think you know. I think you know a lot of these scriptures. And you can go back and review them and see that I'm right. <laughs> Jesus takes 12 of the best men and he says this. He says, the best believers on planet Earth. He says, go, go ahead of me to that town and prepare a place for me to come. And he sends them on a boat, and 12 disciples climb on a boat to go and do the work that Jesus has set before them. And they're really excited because the Savior of the world has handpicked them one by one to get on a boat. And 12 people, they, they load up and they take off, and storms come, right? Come on, you know the story, uh, Jesus walking on water. Storms come. And I love, I love I love the word of God. It's, the Bible says in one of the tellings of the stories that the winds become contrary. That means, that means it comes from one way. A perfect storm, right? That's my town, right? I get storms and boats. I grew up fishing. The scariest place to be is in a storm with contrary winds because you don't know when it's, where it's coming from. Most storms, you can stick the bow of the boat right in the waves, and you can take monster waves because you take them head on. But when it's contrary, that's when you capsize, right? Wave can come this way, and then if a wave comes that way, you tip. There's no preparation. The Bible says the winds are contrary. Boom, boom, boom. So the 12 most faith-filled men walking planet Earth, not only that, with a word from the creator of everything saying, you're, you're, gonna, you're not just here, but you're going to go there. Like, they know that God is calling them to there. They know that Jesus is saying, you're actually going to get there. So they know, they already are going, saying, the Lord's asking us to prepare a way. We're going to end up there. But even in the middle of radical obedience, they still enter into radical fear. And I love that. Because that means we're okay. <laughs> I love, I absolutely stinking love that because it allows options for us. The Bible, you know, the winds are contrary and they're suddenly, not, not just in the middle of contrary winds, but in the middle of the night, the worst time Jesus appears walking on water. That's how I envision it in my mind. I have a lot of ADD, so it's how it goes. Enjoy. Um. And, and you see the response 
of the 12 best Christians to Jesus coming them in a way that they don't like. And they scream at him. They scream at him. It's a ghost! And they call him, they call him a ghost. They call Jesus a ghost. They call the Lord and Savior, the creator of everything, a ghost. They basically call him a demon. What's a ghost? It's the enemy. It's the opposite of who he is. They call him the opposite. Why? Because, because he's not coming in a form that they like. He's not coming in a style that they like. He's not coming in something that makes them feel comfortable. He's not coming at them in a way that makes them go, ooh, I love you, Jesus. This is the one that, I, you know, this is the kittens and puppy Jesus, you know. This is the Jesus that, that, that is coming to me in a new way. And they don't like it. And they call him the opposite of what he is. The opposite. And Jesus' response is so beautiful because I need you to catch this. This isn't a word of, it's, you either got to be so full of faith or you're, or you're just like the disciples sitting in the boat. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. At all because the 12 best Christians go, ah, it's, it's a ghost. And Jesus goes, I, and I love this. I love Jesus. I love his response. He's like, it is I. <laughs> He doesn't go, he's the best. He doesn't go like, oh, you're the worst and how dare you. You have, you have, you have little faith. This was going to be awesome, but you screwed it up because. <laughs> but don't you sit there and dare think that, that you don't call him the enemy. Okay. Don't, don't sit there and be like, I would never do that, Jesus. <laughs> I would always come running. No, like the reality is you probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't. And I think that that's okay. I think it's okay as a body for us to go, you know what? Jesus freaks us out all the time. And it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't mean that it's not him. So the question is not whether it's going to make sense or not make sense. No, it is a promise that he will freak you out. It's a promise. The question is, what is your response in the middle of it? Oh, well, I have it all figured out, and I, I have walked an amazing journey with God. And he is wonderful, and I trust him. And if God, God wants me to do something, he'll come down and he'll speak to me. He'll let me know. And you know what? That's awesome. That is very beautiful, and that's true. But in my conversations with at least the leadership here, and in intercession today, that's not what I'm hearing from the core. They're saying we want revival. We want to move. We want, yes. we want to not just play church as normal. We want, to see, we want to see Jesus come and do something spectacular. I want Jesus to set my family free. I want Jesus to heal me. I want Jesus to, to visit me. I want to hear his voice clear. I want, I want radical love to burn inside of me that no longer do I just, do I just walk around like everybody else. But I, but I literally just leak love everywhere I go. That, that, that's what I'm hearing. And the, and the reality is if you want that, it gets risky.
So Jesus goes, oh, gosh, I got three minutes. Somebody, worship team, come on up here. So I, or just like keys, just come on up here. That will help me stay on track. Come on, buddy. Don't worry. You're, you're okay. You got it. I believe. I believe. Come, come, my son. Come and walk on the, the, the waters with me. So, so just stay with me, and I'm going to end, okay? <laughs> We're setting a mood right now. Ooh, that's nice. Way to go, Jesse. You're pretty good at what you do, buddy. Yeah. I just need some water. Give me a second. I hope there's lemon in that water. If not, you got to change your filter. Okay. <laughs> there's like no pulp in there. It's just <laughs> all the signs that go, there should, there should be a lemon taste. We're not in the visual. Claremont water supply. Okay. This used to be like uh, groves, orange groves and stuff. Okay. So it's just down in the, in the systems. Okay, come on, stay with me. Here we go. So Jesus is standing there and he goes, it is I. Do not be afraid. Right? And of course that does nothing to the people. Right? Twelve men didn't go, oh, correct and jump out and run after Jesus. No, that's not what happened. We all know that, okay? But you do see one man, Peter, right? So he stands up. The Bible doesn't say this. It's, it says that he walks. It says that he steps out. It says that, but Peter stands up and has an equal opportunity as 12 other men, right? Or 11 other men. Equal opportunity. And he looks at what Jesus is doing and something inside of him goes, I want that. I want that. And Jesus didn't say, hey, like, it's going to get freaky, guys. The option's yours. Like, he, he gives no coaching. He, he gives no, like, words of encouragement. Really? He just says, it is I. And you hear a faith level, because most Christians, we believe we have to have a, for the supernatural to take place, for an extreme act of faith, let's just say, to take place, we need to have some overwhelming faith. There's some overwhelming, I heard the voice of the Lord say this, so I'm going to do that. I, I, you know, like I had a dream, so I did that. I got a prophetic word, so I'm going to do that. And we, we, we validate the level of supernatural to the input that we get from God. Maybe not you, but just the rest of the world where I preach, right? I'm going to build that church because I had a vision and 14 doves descended upon me and handed me liniments and whatever, you know, like, and we go super Old Testament, just like that. But Jesus is standing there. Because it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter stands up and he goes, Lord, if it's you, is that a statement of faith? Not at all. A lot of people pray for the sick. A lot of people pursue the supernatural with this idea, with this mindset that it has to be like radical, loud, bold. And, and that, that's true. There is boldness. You do need to be radical. You do need to be fearless, but it looks different for each person. Yeah. And P 
Peter's, Peter's radical faith is born in a moment, right? This moment of radical faith comes out with a question, if it's you, and then he throws it back on Jesus, you tell me to come. So he gives a weak statement of faith. After he screamed at Jesus, called him a ghost, and Jesus invites him into something that the world had never seen before. Come. With one word. Come. 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 I'm not really trustworthy of like five points or to radical faith or 10 keys to freedom. Like I get it, I love it, people love that. People love steps, I teach it. I, I'll teach a 10 step deliverance process. I'll, I'll teach, you know, this is the way that you pray for you. I, I get that and, and I think there is a need for that. But I think the most organic, beautiful, let's say rapid pace of going to where Jesus wants you to go it usually doesn't come in 15 steps. It comes with one, it comes with obedience. Yes, I'll go, Jesus. But, it, but, but there's something like I can lay hands and we could see healings. I can prophesy. I might prophesy today, but there is something that is e as equally valuable in the kingdom. And it's something that you can't get through the laying on of hands. And it's something I hear the Lord wanting to deposit in you today. It's heart. It's, it's this thing. It's what is the difference between a person that, that bows in fear and the person that goes, I don't fully understand this. I don't get it. My buddies aren't on board with this, but I, this feels like you. And then asking, okay, God, if it's you, right, which is a holy prayer. And it's a prayer that we're all called to make. Lord, if it's you, you tell me to come. And we, I think a lot of us do that. And I, I feel that. that in this room, I feel that. Like a lot of us do that. But are you ready for his response, which comes without direction? The Bible doesn't say how... Jesus didn't go, okay, Peter, the, the water's gonna get hard, right? He didn't tell him any, he didn't, he didn't tell him anything. He just said, come, one word, come. And Peter walks, he does. The church that I grew up in, uh, when, they, when they shared about this verse, they would share one thing. They would share the miracle, but they would share Oh, brother, don't take your eyes off Jesus. Because when you do, you're going to sink down into the miry depths of ungodliness. <laughs> right? Uh, are you guys alive? You guys are looking at me weird again. You got quiet. You're kind of creeping me out. Okay. So, the, so the, thing that, the thing that most people get out of this story is don't take your eyes off Jesus. Because if you take your eyes off Jesus, you sink. Because Christians love they love, hmm, not you guys. The, Christians love it when people take risk and fail because it justifies their fear. 
it allows them to go, oh, I did that before, or they did that, and it didn't work. And we use, we use wisdom, of, wisdom of man to justify fear. And fear is faith in Satan. Fear elevates the lie over truth. Fear, fear allows us to stay in a boat with a bunch of Christians that are commissioned instead of running at Jesus. Is it okay? You guys okay? And here's what I love about Peter. I love the fact that he sank. I love it. I mean, I don't want it for him. I, I don't desire that for Peter, but I love the fact that he sank. It means there's hope for me. Where was Peter going? Jesus. Where did he end up? <laughs> While 11 talkers sat on a boat. And, and here's what's beautiful about that. Did he still use them? Yep. He still used them. What does that mean for you? I have no clue. You figure it out. What does that mean for you? That means it's okay, but I heard you guys were hungry. So in that, in a response to a call from a leader over a season in a church, I'm telling you, stop sitting. Get out of your boat. Do something that's different. Do, begin to believe for something different. And, and, and come on, there's another telling of the same story. I believe it's in uh, Mark or Matthew. It's one of the M ones. And the Bible says Jesus gets on the boat and the boat immediately reaches the other side. So, so catch this and then we're going to pray. Jesus says, go ahead of me. But when Jesus gets on the boat, before they get there, they're on the other side. Jesus, they didn't go ahead of Jesus. He was already with them when they got there. Just so, so, so Jesus didn't tell them to go ahead of him so that they could actually do the thing that he said. He told them to go ahead of him so that he could come at them in a way that they didn't like. To see whether, whether they practiced what they preached. Oh, come on. What? Uh, one of my, one of the things that I'm praying through this year, and I'm going to share about it the next season and the next service is this. One of my greatest fears in life is not sinking or, or not responding to Jesus because that's just Christianity. We do that. We do that all the time. It's going to happen. It's bound to happen. That's this wonderful thing about a journey, right? Anybody that raises kids gets it. Like anybody, right? Every mom and dad gets it. So, so that's not the issue. My, my constant fear, oh, I didn't prepare. It's Proverbs something. I'll share it the next one. It says this, a cloud, a cloud without rain. That's my biggest fear in this season, in my own life, is I don't want to be a cloud without rain. Is a man who boasts of gifts he doesn't give is like a cloud without rain. Or a cloud without rain is like a man who boasts of gifts that he does not give. A cloud without rain is this. It's all show, no go. It, it has the appearance, it has the appearance, not the appearance, that's, uh, I apologize. It has the appearance of a blessing. But when it comes time to release that blessing, it does not. But is good at looking like it does. 
And I feel like Jesus, he wants to take you out of your boat. Yeah, he does. Just stand to your feet. I got one minute. Are you guys okay? Yeah. <laughs> there was like 20% of you. Okay. That made me feel good. Thank you, Lord. Okay. You guys all alive? Yes. Lift your hands up to heaven. Just really quick. Just lift your hands up. Yep, he loves you. Don't worry. I want to just pray a couple things really quick. Father, I break fear in the name of Jesus, fear of man. I break it now, now, in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you'd release radical courage over each and every one in this place, God. Radical courage over each and every one in this place, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would destroy any excuses now in the mighty name of Jesus.